Chapter forty two, part two of Struggles and Triumphs or Forty Years Recollections of P. T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter forty two, Public Lecturing, Part two at another time during my western lecturing trip i was following closely in the wake of a lady who was entering the favorite car when the brakeman exclaimed you can't go in there sir i rather guess i can go in with a lady said i pointing to the one who had just entered not with that lady old fellow for i happen to know her and that is more than you do we are up to all these travelers tricks out here it's no go i saw indeed that it was no go and then I must try something else. Look here, my dear fellow, said I. I am traveling every day on the railroads, on a lecturing tour throughout the West, and I really hope you will permit me to take a seat in the ladies' car. I am Barnum, the museum man from New York. Looking sharply at me for an instant, the altogether too wide-awake brakeman exclaimed, Not by a damn sight you ain't. I know Barnum. I could not help laughing, and pulling several old letters from my pocket and showing him the directions on the envelopes i replied well you may know him but the old fellow has changed in his appearance perhaps you see by these letters that i am the critter the brakeman looked astonished but finally said well that is a fact sure enough i know you when i come to look again but really i did not believe you at first you see we have all sorts of tricks played on us and we learn to doubt everybody you are very welcome to go in mr barnum and i am glad to see you and as this conversation was heard throughout the car barnum the showman was the subject of general observation and remark i fulfilled my entire engagement which covered the lecturing season and returned to new york greatly pleased with my western tour public lecturing was by no means a new experience with me for apart from my labors in that direction in england and occasional addresses before literary and agricultural associations at home i had been prominently in the field for many years as a lecturer on temperance my attention was turned to this subject in the following manner in the fall of eighteen forty seven while exhibiting general tom thumb at saratoga springs where the new york state fair was then being held i saw so much intoxication among men of wealth and intellect filling the highest positions in society that i began to ask myself the question what guarantee is there that i may not become a drunkard and i forthwith pledged myself at that time never again to partake of any kind of spirituous liquors as a beverage true i continued to partake of wine for i had been instructed in my european tour that this was one of the innocent and charming indispensables of life i however regarded myself as a good temperance man and soon began to persuade my friends to refrain from the intoxicating cup seeing need of reform in bridgeport i invited my friend the rev dr e h chapin to visit us for the purpose of giving a public temperance lecture i had never heard him upon that subject but i knew that on whatever topic he spoke he was as logical as he was eloquent he lectured in the baptist church in bridgeport his subject was presented in three divisions the liquor seller the moderate drinker and the indifferent man it happened therefore that the second if not the third clause of the subject had a special bearing upon me and my position 
the eloquent gentleman overwhelmingly proved that the so-called respectable liquor seller in his splendid saloon or hotel bar and who sold only to gentlemen inflicted much greater injury upon the community than a dozen common groggeries which he abundantly illustrated he then took up the moderate drinker and urged that he was the great stumbling-block to the temperance reform he it was and not the drunkard in the ditch that the young man looked at as an example when he took his first glass that when the drunkard was asked to sign the pledge he would reply why should i do so what harm can there be in drinking when such men as the respectable mr a and the moral mr b drink wine under their own roof he urged that the higher a man stood in the community the greater was his influence either for good or for evil he said to the moderate drinker sir you either do or you do not consider it a privation and a sacrifice to give up drinking which is it if you say that you can drink or let it alone that you can quit it forever without considering it a self-denial then i appeal to you as a man to do it for the sake of your suffering fellow-beings he further argued that if it was a self-denial to give up wine drinking then certainly the man should stop for he was in danger of becoming a drunkard what dr chapin said produced a deep impression upon my mind and after a night of anxious thought i rose in the morning took my champagne bottles knocked off their heads and poured their contents upon the ground i then called upon dr chapin asked him for the teetotal pledge and signed it he was greatly surprised in discovering that i was not already a teetotaler he supposed such was the case from the fact that i had invited him to lecture and he little thought at the time of his delivering it that his argument to the moderate drinker was at all applicable to me i felt that i had now a duty to perform to save others as i had been saved and on the very morning when i signed the pledge i obtained over twenty signatures in bridgeport i talked to temperance to all whom i met and very soon commenced lecturing upon the subject in the adjacent towns and villages i spent the entire winter and spring of eighteen fifty one and fifty two in lecturing through my native state always travelling at my own expense and i was glad to know that i aroused many hundreds perhaps thousands to the importance of the temperance reform i also lectured frequently in the cities of new york and philadelphia as well as in other towns in the neighboring states while in boston with jenny lind i was earnestly solicited to deliver two temperance lectures in the tremont temple where she gave her concerts i did so and though an admission fee was charged for the benefit of a benevolent society the building on each occasion was crowded in the course of my tour with jenny lind i was frequently solicited to lecture on temperance on evenings when she did not sing i always complied when it was in my power in this way i lectured in baltimore washington charleston new orleans cincinnati st louis and other cities also in the ladies saloon of the steamer lexington on sunday morning in august eighteen fifty three i lectured in cleveland ohio and several other towns and afterwards in chicago illinois and in kenosha wisconsin an election was to be held in wisconsin in october and the friends of prohibition in that state solicited my services for the ensuing month and i could not refuse them i therefore hastened home to transact some business which required my presence for a few days and then returned and lectured on my way in toledo norwalk ohio and in chicago illinois i made the tour of the state of wisconsin delivering two lectures per day for four consecutive weeks to crowded and attentive audiences 
my lecture in new orleans when i was in that city was in the great lyceum hall in st charles street and i lectured by the invitation of mayor crossman and several other influential gentlemen the immense hall contained more than three thousand auditors including the most respectable portion of the new orleans public i was in capital humor and had warmed myself into a pleasant state of excitement feeling that the audience was with me while in the midst of an argument illustrating the poisonous and destructive nature of alcohol to the animal economy some opponent called out how does it affect us externally or internally eternally i replied i have scarcely ever heard more tremendous merriment than that which followed this reply and the applause was so prolonged that it was some minutes before i could proceed on the first evening when i lectured in cleveland ohio it was in the baptist church i commenced in this wise if there are any ladies or gentlemen present who have never suffered in consequence of the use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage either directly or in the person of a dear relative or friend i will thank them to rise a man with a tolerably glowing countenance arose have you never a friend who was intemperate i asked never was the positive reply a giggle ran through the opposition portion of the audience really my friends i said i feel constrained to make a proposition which i did not anticipate i am as you are all aware a showman and i am always on the lookout for curiosities this gentleman is a stranger to me but if he will satisfy me to-morrow morning that he is a man of credibility and that no friend of his was ever intemperate i will be glad to engage him for ten weeks at two hundred dollars per week to exhibit him in my american museum in new york as the greatest curiosity in this country a laugh that was a laugh followed this announcement they may laugh but it is a fact persisted my opponent with a look of dogged tenacity the gentleman still insists that it is a fact i replied i would like therefore to make one simple qualification to my offer i made it on the supposition that at some period in his life he had friends now if he never had any friends i withdraw my offer otherwise i will stick to it this and the shout of laughter that ensued was too much for the gentleman and he sat down i noticed throughout my speech that he paid strict attention and frequently indulged in a hearty laugh at the close of the lecture he approached me and extending his hand which i readily accepted he said i was particularly green in rising to-night having once stood up i was determined not to be put down but your last remark fixed me he then complimented me very highly on the reasonableness of my arguments and declared that ever afterwards he would be found on the side of temperance among the most gratifying incidents of my life have been several of a similar nature to the following after a temperance speech in philadelphia a man about thirty years of age came forward signed the teetotal pledge and then giving me his hand he said mr barnum you have this night saved me from ruin for the last two years i have been in the habit of tippling and it has kept me continually under the harrow this gentleman pointing to a person at his side is my partner in business and i know he is glad i have signed the pledge to-night yes indeed i am george and it is the best thing you ever did replied his partner if you'll only stick to it that will i do till the day of my death and won't my dear little wife mary cry for joy to-night when i tell her what i have done he exclaimed in great exultation 
at that moment he was a happy man but he could not have been more so than i was sir william don who came to this country and acted in several theatres afterwards going to australia and dying i believe soon after his return to england once heard me lecture and immediately afterwards came forward and signed the pledge he kept it for a short period only although when he signed he said that strong drink was the bane of his life it is the one bane of too many brilliant men who but for this one misfortune might attain almost every desirable success in life i may add that i have lectured in montreal canada and many towns and cities in the united states at my own expense one of the greatest consolations i now enjoy is that of believing i have carried happiness to the bosom of many a family in the course of my life i have written much for newspapers on various subjects and always with earnestness but in none of these have i felt so deep an interest as in that of the temperance reform were it not for this fact i should be reluctant to mention that besides numerous little articles for the daily and weekly press i wrote a little tract on the liquor business which expresses my practical view of the use and traffic in intoxicating drinks in every one of my temperance lectures since the beginning of the year eighteen sixty nine i have regularly read the following report made by mr t t cordis overseer of the poor in vineland new jersey though we have a population of ten thousand people for the period of six months no settler or citizen of vineland has required relief at my hands as overseer of the poor within seventy days there has only been one case among what we call the floating population at the expense of four dollars during the entire year there has only been but one indictment and that a trifling case of assault and battery among our colored population so few are the fires in vineland that we have no need of a fire department there has been only one house burnt down in a year and two slight fires which were soon put out we practically have no debt and our taxes are only one per cent on the valuation the police expenses of vineland amount to seventy-five dollars per year the sum paid to me and our poor expenses a mere trifle i ascribe this remarkable state of things so nearly approaching the golden age to the industry of our people and the absence of king alcohol let me give you in contrast to this the state of things in the town from which i came in new england the population of the town was nine thousand five hundred a little less than that of vineland it maintained forty liquor shops these kept busy a police judge city marshal assistant marshal four night watchmen six policemen fires were almost continual that small place maintained a paid fire department of four companies of forty men each at an expense of three thousand dollars per annum i belonged to this department for six years and the fires averaged about one every two weeks and mostly incendiary the support of the poor cost twenty five hundred dollars per annum the debt of the township was one hundred and twenty thousand dollars the condition of things in this new england town is as favorable in that country as that of many other places where liquor is sold it seems to me that there is an amount of overwhelming testimony and unanswerable argument in this one brief extract that makes it in itself one of the most perfect and powerful temperance lectures ever written End of chapter forty two part two